show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Samuel. Hi. <laughs> I like that. that was so my bad. My bad. You, my bad. you said hi. You said my name hi, and I have a choice. And then I thought I would do something hi, but that just felt so creepy to me. I love it. It's a little weird. I apologize, audience. Hi, I'm here, Sam, your friendly master engineer. <laughs> your friendly neighborhood master engineer. Carry on. Um, today, these are just fun episodes. These are total, like, these are, last year there was so much going on, 2022, that in all honesty, Sam and I just kind of needed, like, a burner episode just to, like, hang out and talk and just something that was going to be a continuation of us talking just because it's, like, you, like, you had your wife that was, like, literally about to have a baby. We didn't know, like, when, like, we weren't going to be able to record for a few weeks. Um, my wife was recovering from some of her stuff, and I was just like, man, we just need, like, a chill episode. And so we put it out there with four hours to spare. Uh, hey, we're going to do a Q&A. Shoot us a message if you have anything. And y'all did. And thank you very much. And then mm-hmm. it was one of the most listened to episodes we've ever put out. <laughs> and I was like, I 100% did not expect this type of response. Mm. Oh, I was talking with my wife this morning. We were driving somewhere. And I kind of spewed out a number of how many mastery engineers I genuinely think are in the world. Mm-hmm. What would your answer be? In the world? In the world. I don't know. I want to say like less than 100,000. Uh, how about I start there? I'm just like trying to formulate a, a thought here on this. Less than 100,000. Like a not mix and mastering, like people who just right, master. Right, just master. Oh, uh, man. I want to say like 10,000 who just master. I initially started, and so that was like, okay, what's the gauge for this podcast listenership? (laughs) Because in all honesty, if you stack the metrics against like a normal podcast, you really don't have that high of metrics. I mean, we might be getting like three to 5,000 and as like the episodes age, like maybe 7,000. It's not really a lot, but then it's like, consider how small of a market we're talking to. And I know we are talking to the market. And so- it's like you have like a normal podcast that's like talking to everyone who makes music. You're probably getting ten to 20,000 listens an episode. And it's right. like, that's not really who I'm shooting for. My net is not that broad. Um, and so I, my guess initially, and this is a few weeks ago and I was thinking about it, maybe 20,000. But I, on our drive back, I was just like, you know, I, th- I think it's 10. I think it's 10,000. And so if we're capturing half to three quarters of the market, maybe a little bit of overflow into like people mixing, producing, et cetera. People just want to listen to, you know, to uh, two cunning guys just, you know, <laughs> cut it up. Um, I mean, there's not enough of that in the world. You sent me something on golf, a fun podcast I need to listen to. Yes. I haven't listened to it yet. Hack it out, um, golf. I, I need to do that. I'm, I'm all into like the fun podcasts that have chemistry and whatnot. Yes. That's um, I think we're one of them. Yes. We've been told we are. So, I'll, so we'll run with it. Um, anyway, the first Q&A was so good. I think we're going to do two a year. We're going to do a spring and a fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be fun because it'll be sandwiched between marketing episodes and gear episodes. And uh, I want to do a business series here soon. I, I have that all lined up. I just need to put some stuff together. Um, 
I think it'll be really fun. But we're going to do a spring Q&A. We got a few questions in. We got more than a few questions in. Um, not as many as the fall, but I think I, we're, we're kind of dialing in how we do the questions, how we ask the questions. But I want to ask... So I'm going to facilitate once again. Here's the ground rules. Sam sent me his questions. I have my questions loaded up. Um, I have a timer for two minutes. Um, we're going to do a two minutes combined. Mm-hmm. On this, we'll kind of see how it is. We don't have as many in the fall, but we probably have, I don't know, maybe like 15 or 20. You mean so two minutes of person? Like or two that? minutes total? Two minutes for mm. me, two minutes for you, or two minutes for both of us? Total. I don't know. We'll kind of see. I got <laughs> 45 minutes until I got to head home. Okay, so that's like two minutes. Of We're getting Mexican for dinner. I got Woo! some carnitas to pick up. The kids like their chicken quesadilla. So, I, I got a time. I got to leave. So, okay, great. <laughs> Two minutes it is. Let's go. All right, but we'll see how it goes. I might, I might just throttle it. So we're gonna hop into this. But first, Sam's got a little housekeeping for you. Woohoo! Hello, listener. Thank you so much for being with us again. It is a blessing since we are on a time crunch. More so, we just want to get all the questions in. You know what to do. Unless you're new, welcome. Screenshot this episode or a favorite episode. Post if it on Instagram. New, yeah, thank you. Great episode. <laughs> uh, screenshot it. Tag Moses Mastering. Tag for the record mastering. Then we will reshare it. We uh, then cross market. We get to know our audience individually, which is the most fun. Um, I met somebody last week who isn't like now my friend. Who's a longtime listener. Longtime listener. First time caller. And uh, and it's awesome. So we love getting to meet everybody in the audience. Screenshot, share it, tag us. Let's chat. Housekeeping over. Also, a handful of people are writing in reviews and stuff like that. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for doing that. That's nice That's too. Really nice, and just I'm glad it's like it's kind of affirming of like, hi, I've listened for five years. Holy crap, it's yes. been that long. Um, <clears throat> so thank you. And it's like even like the guy who left the one two star, he left a review, and it's just, it's just like okay, I know what people were looking for, and we weren't that. It's just kind of interesting. It's like if you're going to leave a bad review, at least tell us why. And he did, and so I appreciate that. We appreciate that. He, he thought we were TMZ, and we weren't TMZ. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're gonna get on to the questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to start the clock for two minutes as soon as I finish reading the question. Great. You'll go first, and then I'll respond. Okay, go. Okay, first question, and I really like this question, and I don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> so I still have to think, and it's the... We'll get into Let's it. Let's go, come on. Are there any YouTube or internet resources that you like? Ooh, good question. Um, With regards to music, No. I don't yeah. think so. Like there's there's nothing I would send someone to and feel really good about it. It's like when people ask me for referrals to like mixers or things, there's only a handful of people honestly that I'm comfortable sending someone to if they want an actual professional result, unfortunately. Yeah. Actually it's it's just it takes a long time to be a professional and I think a lot of the content on the internet is from non-professionals. Um, who have learned academia knowledge and then learned that you can try and profit off that without actually having any experience. Um, so yeah, I actually don't have any great resources 
Um, I don't go. I don't have any. Like I don't. I I have community. I think that's where I go to. I have real people in my life that I've found on Instagram and formed relationships with there, and those have been the best resources. So maybe you know, start there. Okay, that's it. I'm gonna be done. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to echo it. I've, I've like since I've been reading this question about 15 minutes ago, I've been racking my mind of what is a good resource, and I 100% think it's people who learned academia. They're creating like BS courses, and they're trying to get your money. They're trying to get you to invest in and in, sorry crap. And is there good information out there? Sure, but. I, there's strings attached, and anytime there's mm-hmm. strings attached, mm-hmm. it's it it like I read this question: Are there any great? And it's no, there's nothing great. It's all just kind of garbage. Um, I think the best thing to do because and the the crazy thing is is like okay, what's the heart behind this? This person's freaking hungry. They want fed, right? And I feel bad that resource is not there. Um. In all honesty, that's kind of why I like this podcast because there's no strings attached here. You're just kind of getting anecdotal information from people who do it. And I don't want to take information from somebody who's not... Like, is the person on YouTube probably getting more money from YouTube and their courses than they are like the actual thing they're talking about, potentially? Sam and I record once a week. We post every other week. I can tell you we're working more than we're creating content. Um, I'm not trying to validate that, but I do recognize I have a bias because I'm a talking head to a degree, and Sam is as well. But we're working far more than we're creating content. And so, I candidly, I just don't trust it. Um, So I'm sorry to divert that. If you have interest otherwise, like lawns or anything else, I have a lot of great people I can recommend, but not for um, not for this. Numeral Dose, are there any other books, are any other books you're currently into? Is that music related? Probably just anything because I the person liked Atomic Habits, our episode. Of oh. Yeah. Sam. Uh, yes. Uh, Psychology of Money. Should read that one. Um, mixing with your mind, which is like a a book on recording, mixing, and how to actually think about music. It's a hard book to find. You'll probably end up spending a hundred bucks on it, to be honest, because it's a really limited print book. Totally worth the money. Um, outside of that, I mean, next to me, I have "Stillness Is the Key." By Ryan Holiday. That's a classic I reread. It's a few years old. So let's start there. Psychology of Money. Definitely a fun read. Uh, Stillness is the Key, Ryan Holiday. And then Mixing with Your Mind. Done. You know my favorite book of all time? No, I don't. No. And it's not music related. Kitchen Confidential with Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yes. I highly recommend that book. Even if you just get the audiobook, you will probably crash whatever vehicle you're driving because you're laughing so hard. Yeah. Um, that, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. I love that book. Um, a lot of others. I, I, I like a good conspiracy, so I'll read those books. What's, what's this one? I got a book in today. What's this one? I want a 
grow a garden in the backyard. I got this like self-sufficient backyard that these people are running ads everywhere on. And so I want to learn how to make a lot of cool veggies grow. Um, I don't know. That's a lot of the stuff I'm into. Got a lot into, uh, shoot, what's his name? Big writer, like early 1900s. Ernest Hemingway. Got into a lot of that. Old Man in the Sea, bunch of old like safari books and whatnot. And there was one other one. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like early, like night, like, hello, that alarm's going off. Gone too long. (laughs) It's funny because it's like that robot thing. And I was like, what the hell's that robot talking about? I need to make an alarm that doesn't scare me. (laughs) I like jumped out of my seat. Is there like a soft thing that doesn't scare the bejesus out of me? Oh, no, that one's worse. We're not doing this. I'm going to make a point to end before two minutes now. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, Ernest Hemingway stuff. Kind of been liking that. That's that's the other one. <sighs> okay. Um, let's see. Oh, what about audiobooks? Um, mixing with your mind. There's literally that's like a $500 book. I mean, you could probably find it for $100, $200 on Amazon. Sometimes it pops up used. Yeah. Um, it's totally worth the price, though. I paid that. I would pay $1,000. I kid you not. It has saved me so many hours on how to think about how to think about audio, how it works, mm-hmm. how to set up a room, compression. I mean, the, the sections on compression and analog and digital, like what's the difference, what they do. The easily the most well. Uh, it takes extremely complicated complicated topics and makes them approachable and understandable in a way that no one else has. If I could just copy and paste that book on the internet, I would, but I'm not going to do that because <laughs> it's illegal and it is copyrighted. Outside of there that, I have no other audiobooks to recommend. I've only read like a dozen that were supposedly like the best, and they were all terrible. Same. I have two books I want to write, and I need to sit down long enough to do that, but I haven't done that. Anyway, but on audio, I don't really think so. Yeah. Um, but if you if you look for audiobooks, you'll come across stuff, and then you'll probably figure out what we're talking about. Um, do you find it hard to listen to music outside of work since your job is to listen to music? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not hard to listen to music, but I listen to... I have like three playlists, uh, an evening in Roma, uh, French cafe music, and um, Benny Goodman's radio. And that's Hmm. the three playlists I listen to when I'm not working. I pretty much do not consume anything that I work on types of music outside of like my usual Friday, I'll listen to news, new music Friday things to like keep up with the trends and what's out popular. Mm-hmm. But once work is done, no. And a lot of times when I'm in my car, I just drive in silence, to be honest, at this stage. Because I my ears, I get tired and my brain gets tired of hearing anything. And so a lot of times I will just drive in silence and I like that. Okay, done. That sometimes puts me to sleep, like road noise. I like like the the sound machines. I like going to sleep to one of those. I didn't used to, but then like when our son was born, he had to sleep in our room for a little bit, and we got him a little sound machine. And then I kind of got hooked on it when he got moved to his nursery, and I was like, oh darn it! 
Um, okay, cancel that. Oh, I guess it's my turn. Do I find it hard to listen to music? Not really. Um, sometimes I do want silence, but there's like genres that I work on and genres that I listen to. Um, do I keep up on the top music? Not really. Um, I mean, I'll listen to it every now and then, but more times than not, I'm not really into pop that much. Um, I'm not really into hip hop that much. It's like nothing against any of that. It's just, I just don't like really connect with it. Um, so normally it's like, I'm really into like country. I'm into jazz. I'm into, um, a lot of indie music, like weird music. I like, um, when I'm at work, I'll normally put on like that lo-fi girl playlist on uh, YouTube. And it's just like a lot of like lo-fi stuff in the background. kind of think that's cool. Um, but I do also have playlists on Spotify that I put together since like 2014 or before. But I like can't, I like got rid of Spotify for a while. I got it back in 2016. And then every month I'll make a playlist of songs that like pulls me out of my work. And like is like, wow. And so I'll just drop that file in there and move on with my day. And so my if you want to find it, my username is Axel Rosenberg. And uh, <laughs> I should probably make it my name, you know, one one of these days, but uh it's not. So anyway. Let's see. I want to hear more about investments, real estate, cash flow, planning for the future. Um Sam, did you write this question to yourself? I didn't actually. I knew you were going to say that, but I didn't. <laughs> Sam and I were talking about this last week. Um, we have stuff coming down the pipeline, um, and I think we have good things. Um, do you want to talk about it at all? I yeah, feel I mean, like I can give that's a all I want to say on it. A one minute skinny. What the heck is a one minute skinny? I'm going to give a one minute skinny. Um, the short and skinny is uh, I stumbled into accidentally like flipping our first house in Nashville eight years ago, refinanced it, changed my life, learned about real estate, take all my extra mastering money, dump it into more real estate, now have multiple properties in different states, Airbnbs and long-term rentals, and it has changed my life. And I just continue to dump all that money and my money into it, and it creates passive income. And uh, there's also other things you can do, mutual funds, stocks. But uh, the main thing I'll say is you need to have a budget and you need to have to plan. You need to have a plan. You need to have some sort of idea on where the heck you're headed. So everything I just said is not financial advice either or legal advice. But um, if you want to talk more about it, holler at me. Uh, it's the best thing I ever did. Uh, my wife and I, I ever did. And um, I cannot say enough good things about uh, taking charge of your money and then making it work for you. It's a classic, uh, classic passive income, blah, 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 buzzwords. It is all actually true. Most people are trying to sell you, though, on like some bullcrap courses or tell you that it's risk-free or easy or blah, blah. There is a good amount of work you have to do with all things. Passive income is never truly passive is what I've learned. And even opening other businesses... Because you're even if you have management, you are then basically managing your management. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but there are easier ways to make money and harder ways to make money. But 
all the ways usually still involve you on some level. Okay, that's my one minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, just know we do have a plan to do a podcast on that. Um, Sam and I spoke on it as early as last week. Um, and it will be, it will be happening this year. I also want to line up uh, a series of episodes. I have a, um, close relationship with a banker that I would like to kind of answer any bank questions that people might have. Um, and he's like, I've never met a banker as nice as this guy. And he will kind of shoot you straight on what stuff. Um, and uh, there's another guy who's the C- CFO for my other company. Um, I have three episodes kind of planned out on what I would like to do. One of them is how to turn your um, how to turn your hobby into a business. Episode two is how to take that business and um, essentially scale it, and not in like a cheesy kind of a way. Um, not in like a slime ball. Here's an e-course kind of a way, like a genuine way to scale it, and then how to turn that business into a wealth gener- generating mechanism for you and your family uh, is episode three. And so we're putting those together, and uh, it's in it's in its infancy, but everybody is on board. And then I do think I want to do an episode where we just talk about investments, real estate, cash flow, ex- and planning for the future. Um, and so I think there's a lot of good stuff coming down the road this year. So, so buckle up. Um, okay. That was way more than two minutes. Uh, do you have, do you have hearing loss or experience it? And I had a guy reach out to me on my questions and say, how do you handle hearing loss? So we're going to assume this is the same guy. Potentially. Um, we'll compare notes later. We'll compare um, notes later. I have not experienced hearing loss in my so far. Um, I also many, many moons ago when I started in audio, got an SPL meter, which I still have to work at about 85 to 90 dB. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found those, what that level is. I mean, once you figure that out on your interface, then you just, that's my saved scene essentially. That is where mm-hmm. it defaults to. I will occasionally crank it up quite loud when I'm just like spot checking if I'm doing a record especially um, I'll do a really loud setting and a quiet setting um, but no thankfully I have not um, every once in a while I'll just do test tones <laughs> on myself like a pseudo uh, audio, audio, audioologist um, <clears throat> and I can still hear really really high but I'm also not that old yet um, so I have not experienced it I don't have uh, tinnitus, I think, the ringing in your ears. I have Mm -hmm. a number of friends who have that issue who are in bands or producers. And I got a feeling it's because they just rip all day long at like 100 plus dB. Um, But yeah, so far, knock on wood, everything's good, thankfully. So I don't have really much experience with that. I would imagine if you do, it's terrible, especially if you're in audio. I cannot... Imagine with how anal I am about audio. And I will say there's lots of things in life that now bug me that I hear. So I would imagine if I started losing some of my hearing, that would be equally as frustrating. 
and that's where I'll stop. Um, with me, I would say, um, do whatever you can to protect your hearing. Yes. Um, in general, go out of your way. Um, I kind of always have earplugs on me. I mean, I'm not going to say to go take an like an insurance policy out on your ears, but I do know mastering engineers who do have like the joke is the million dollar insurance policy on their mm-hmm. ears because it's like if you lose your hearing, you're like you're kind of toast, and it's of a specialty policy right. that probably costs like an obnoxious amount of money. Um, but if you can't work, you need to have cash um, to help kind of help you through. So, I would say protect your hearing at all cost. Um, I have molds that have like 20 dB reduction filters in them. If I go to a concert, the concert's not as fun, but it's like I can also hear, and my ears aren't ringing. Like I was at, a, I made a joke. I was at a concert a little while ago, and it was like the least loud expecting concert ever. It was an Elton John concert. It was like it was a farewell concert, and it was just so darn loud. I actually had to go to the bathroom and get a uh, like a paper towel, and I just like tore off a few pieces and I put it in my mouth, uh, just kind of like wetting up the paper towel, and I just jammed it in my ears. And I was like, I just had to do it. Just my ears were just on fire, and I don't know why. It's I mean, I went to like a handful of like concerts over the summer and I was fine. But from here on out, I mean, I'm doing like if I go to like small venue concerts where they're just like ripping the PA, it's like I got to. I mean, it just crushes me. It's like not also not monitoring overly loud. Like an SPL meter is really smart until you kind of get a baseline for yourself. Um, It's like even like you go to like churches and stuff like that that just like rip the PA and it's like, I always have earplugs on me. Mm-hmm. It's like if I know I'm going to a place that's going to be really loud, it's like I don't want to screw up my hearing. I really like hearing. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I'd kind of, and I'd, I'd, I'd honestly be lost. Um, how do you deal with it? Um, I would say get ahead of it as quickly as possible um, because I don't really think there's a way to recoup it. So take care of what you got while you got it. Um, if you are experiencing that, I'm sorry. That's got to be really difficult. Um, and I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you. Um, anyway, um, I think that was yeah, that was the last of yours. Um, that like I read that question earlier, and I was like, my heart just like kind of broke for that person. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, golly, like I. Yeah, just just to have that happen. It's like just take care of what you got while you got it. Um, it's like I don't know. Mine might start fading away. It's like I know my dad has tinnitus. He's got a constant ringing. Yeah. Um, he yeah. says that's the reason he can't hear my mom. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I read that question and it's just I asked for clarification on one of it, and it just hasn't been enough time, and I don't think they saw it. Um, but yeah, my heart broke for that person. So I'm sorry you're going through that or if that is happening. Um, next question. What are some significant industry shifts you guys have felt or identified over the past five years? I like this question a lot. Um, the, talk, the, the clock is ticking. Um, Literally. I mean, one of the biggest shifts has been just the outpouring of poor information and then 
I feel like a lot of us, even a lot of our listeners, having to re-educate people. That's mm-hmm. a giant shift to me. Um, compared to when I started 12 years ago, it was like never, there just wasn't accessibility and you weren't really able to create and just claim you're an expert <laughs> instantly, like people mm-hmm. do now. Um, so that's a huge shift. It's caused a lot of confusion. Probably also a lot of, on theory, in theory, good for a lot of people. There's always another side to the story of someone saying, well, that course really helped me. So I get that. But um, seems to be a diminishing return at this stage because there's such a saturation of it. Um, digital plugins have gotten really, really great to me in five mm-hmm. years. Uh, also, monitors and headphones. All, all gear equipment has and computers like laptops, my goodness. Um, all of that has gotten drastically better in five years, which is awesome. Um, and then, of course, mastering, I think, continually gets hijacked more and more. But that's probably a personal bias and maybe uh, my own ego and pride getting hurt on some level <laughs> of being frustrated. Mm-hmm. But uh, mastering just keeps getting dragged through the mud, I feel like. Um, with the continual auto-mastering stuff that comes out that really is not making anything better, you're just better off using your own L2 at home, to be honest, if you're going to go that route to keep the integrity of your mix. Um, but yeah, the the AI stuff, we're in such a baby stage. Um but it's it's moving quickly, and and that's something that like five years ago to me honestly wasn't really a discussion, but it's becoming one. Okay, I'll stop there. Yeah, my alarm keeps going off. <laughs> um, so there's the two minutes. <laughs> I guess I'll add to some things that you said. I feel like people's BS filters are there's definitely like a lower threshold for people to pass that. Yeah, and so it's like if you're just like full of crap. Then and it's like you're just creating content to create content. If it's not like quality content that's just like connecting with people in a really hard and meaningful way, and you're just like always asking for things, then it gets really sussed out really quick. Um, I do think people kind of like have realized also with like loudness, like where they want to be, and that like is there still confusion? I would say so, but I would say like. I don't know, at least with like my clients and people who come to me, they seem to kind of know what they want. And it's also kind of interesting. I feel like some genres are backing off on the level. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad, um, it's just kind of noted that I do feel like stuff's getting turned down a little bit. And I actually do think that Atmos may lead to things being turned down just because it generally replays a bit quieter um, than stereo mixes. Um, just by the nature of it, whatever you want to, uh, I'm not going to go down this road. Um, don't have enough time. Don't have enough time. My, my alarm already went off. Um, significant industry shifts you guys have felt or identified. Um, the last one I will say is I feel like there is more of a community than there was. Mm, That's nice. Um, I really had to fight for knowledge when I was starting this. And I feel like there is just such a community out there that wants to teach and that wants to help. Um, 
I like that a lot. I don't think there's been a better time to learn this than today. There are so many resources and there's so many people willing to invest in you, um, including me and Sam. So if you hear the fan in the background, I had to turn it on. It's South Carolina. It's like 82 degrees outside. And All right. Moving on. Um, This one's talking about a question that's elsewhere. Uh, Let's go here. Um, Is it dangerous to have the channel transient link and release link at zero on my Pro L2? (laughs) So those two two little knobs... They're kind of like hanging out together in the Pro L2. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I would say, uh, I'd say no. It's just you are deciding to have your transient link and like your release. It's like, yeah, you don't, you, you don't really want any of it sticking together and you want it to be, you want it to be not together and as fast as it can be. <laughs> yeah. I feel like so long as you have your, like the ISP on, you should be fine. Yep. And then just kind of like monitor your output level. Yes. Because it's like if you're at zero zero on the Pro L2, you still risk some intersample peaks. Um, and even though Pro L2 is probably going to catch it, you could throw on some oversampling too. But if you go into RX, you might see it if your output's at zero zero. Samuel? Uh, I do not think it's dangerous. I echo what you said. Use your ears. You know, you like it? Great. Yeah. There's nothing dangerous in audio. <clears throat> Like, yeah, there's some foundational things you probably should learn, and I'm I'm definitely all for educating. Read your manuals, look up words you don't know, do those things. But yeah. nothing is dangerous in audio. Um, use your ears, trust your ears. If you don't know something, look at the manual. If you don't know a word, look it up. Generally, on the Pro L2, I also will, I don't mess with those too much. I generally leave the transient and all that stuff. I generally leave that at like 50%, those two knobs. And the release, the release is normally pretty fast. And I I, I do this a little weird. I actually will monitor the uh, the delta and I'll kind of know what I want to have removed um, and what I find acceptable to be removed. And that's kind of how I dial in the release. It's really weird, but that's how I do it. Yeah. Um, okay, Sam. When and where to use natural phase modes on EQ? <clears throat> When to use natural phase modes? That's what it says. As opposed to like linear phase? Linear, I'm supposing, yeah. <sighs> I mean, linear phase is usually more clean in theory and less chance of artifacts uh, and more kind of natural sounding, in my opinion. Um, I'm I'm a little confused on natural phase. Yeah, I don't honestly think I know that definition, and that might just be me not knowing stuff. This is where like, there's I wonder like if that's just what the plugin says. Yeah, there's like natural, like I've seen like z- zero latency, meaning natural phase. If like I pull those up kind the Pro of, Q3, am I going to screw up this recording? I think the Pro okay. Q3 talks about natural phase. I think that's what this. That's what I think he's talking about. Versus uh, zero latency. Yeah, that's. I'm looking this. If up I right had to now. guess, this is like this is like a Fab Filter thing. Yeah, it is. Pro Q3. Yeah, natural phase versus zero latency. 
That's my guess. Yeah, it says okay. natural face. I of understand now. Sorry, um, person who asked that question. I was just like, wait, what are we comparing linear phase to natural phase? Um, okay, so the question was when to use natural phase versus, or when, yeah. just when to use it. Yeah, versus, I suppose, linear. Um, I don't know. I just always use linear <coughs> phase, to be honest. That's just what I always use. That's literally. I use whatever the plugin is like default setup to use. I would say I'm not an expert on things such as phase. I think that's one of actually, I mean, I don't want to ramble, but like I'll have people ask me about phase quite often. I understand the general concept of it, I think. I literally never check phase or phase align or RX phase like I see so many master engineers do that um, because they claim it adds punch or something or fixes out-of-phase things. And I just have never, ever done anything with phase, ever. (laughs) I can hear out-of-phase really easily, but I just assume what people send me is what they've signed off on. So I'm not going to go around screwing with their phase or DC offset or... These in-depth things that I know the mixer and whoever probably didn't have a clue about. So yeah, you can just call I me. I got a ignorant, boogie in eighteen minutes. That's fine. Carry on. So where do I use it? I use whatever comes with the plugin, and it's like if I go over to the, like another one, I'm just like, okay, whatever. And generally, it's like I just use where the plugin defaults. Um, okay, tips for mixers having to master their own mixes. Don't. Um, hmm. What do you got, Sam? Tips for, can you say it one more time? Tips for, tips for mixers having to master their own mixes. Oh. I mean, I used to master my own mixes all the time. My tip, though, for most people, that's when I was like, I'll say trained and mastering as well after I understood it. Yeah. It. Um, It'll be like what I said to Automaster. Like, just throw on an L2 and take a few dB off and call it a day. And if it's not where you want it to be, you should just hire a mastering engineer. Like, Mm -hmm. otherwise, you're going to do more harm to your mix that you've probably spent a lot of time trying to get right. And then, even if it's not completely right, you're maybe tossing on a bunch of random things that quote unquote mastering via ozone or something. And, uh, it just becomes self-destructive. You're not reaching your full potential, most likely, if you're uneducated on mastering and have if you're if you're not both mastering consistently for other people and also mixing, then I would advise you not to quote unquote master your own mix. If you're like, no, I want to, just take a few dB off, call it a day. It is what it is. Uh, you're probably going to be within still like. A loudness potential of competing commercially, and uh, and that's that. Okay, <clears throat> that's all I want to say on that. Yeah, and it kind of depends on like like what are you calling mastering? It's like what are you wanting to do? Because at the thirty eight seconds I have, I would say um, remove yourself from that mix as much as possible. Actually, print it as a stereo file and approach it as a stereo file. Um, if you can just make it louder because your mix was that good, DMG Limitless is 
incredible. Um, if you need to do more than that and you have control of the mix, then you could revisit it there, which is kind of a nice luxury, I suppose. Um, five seconds left. Um, ultimately, I would hire a mastering engineer because mastering your own mixes is just fancy stereo bus processing. Um, yeah. Um, what are the top three songs you currently find sonically pleasing, Samuel? My goodness, that is such a good question. <clears throat> top three songs that I find sonically pleasing. How interesting. What a great question. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb. Can they be my own, the things I've worked on? <laughs> yeah, I'm done by me. Promote my own, my own projects. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. That's just too much. I listen to other things on and off. Okay. Um, top, top, top three things that I find... Uh, pleasing. Um, I mean, I really, I'm a sucker for anything Laney. <laughs> Judge me if you want. Laney, I find very pop pleasing. It's like super hi-fi, glossy pop. I find that to be very pleasing sonically to me. They have a very nice ba- balance of topping that sounds expensive without being fatiguing. Um, Something I that I find extremely sonically pleasing is going to be on my playlist. Not my playlist. The On an Evening in Roma playlist. Lady Fingers by Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass oh, Band. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that song. Sonically. Is that that song, the first one on the song with the lady and the whipped cream? The whipped cream and other delights that yes, album? yep. I know that song. I love that song. That record and that song... Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Yeah, takes me to a different place. And sonically, in monitors... I love it. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps when there's the call and the response of the brass sections (laughs) and the the response is all reverbed out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that gives me goosebumps. I just got goosebumps just thinking about it. (laughs) Um, That's a special song. It really has, like, no relevance to anything I do (laughs) with work, but of the type of records I make. But it's very sonically pleasing. Um, let's see. I mean, something I really like is I love all post Malone records, to be honest, as far as mm-hmm. sonically pleasing. <clears throat> Saint Tropez is such a fun song to listen to. And it's got all sorts of reverb throws and details that, unless you're on monitors, you miss most of it. Um, okay, that's three. I got more now that I'm thinking about it, but those those are three fun. Those are three things. Go. Uh, I would say my number. I, I won't. These aren't ordered. Um, I like as far as jazz that uh, the song "Take Five by mm. Dave Burbeck mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, the Dave mm-hmm. Burbeck Quartet. I love that song. Um, let's see. Um, I like anything on that Silk Sonic record. Yeah, I love that record. Um, and then another one would probably be, uh, it's on my, uh, <laughs> uh, 
sonically pleasing. I, I'm not going to say that song. Uh, I like Keep the Wolves Away by Uncle Lucius. And then I guess number four would be uh, the song Birds by Dominique Fields. I don't. I can't pronounce the last part, but it is incredible. It's on my... If you look up Axel Rosenberg and you go to my stuff that's public, Reference 2.0, it's on there. It's all stuff I find sonically pleasing, and I enjoy it a lot. Um, anyway, that's aside from stuff that I've worked on, which I actually listen to it a lot. I, I like a lot of the stuff I work on, and I like showing it around just because I like the people I work with. Um, how many revisions to try with customer if they're not happy until they give up? And this guy had a follow-up. Um, adding to my question about not giving up revisions, I only had to give up once uh, in my six years, full-day master, maybe five or six versions of the, of the album. Wow. And uh, in the end, I tried many different approaches on the song. It didn't work. At the end, we decided to not carry on, and my invoice was half the full price. Cool for both of us. So, Sam, how, how long do you give it? Um, I have honestly never in my span of 12 years doing records not been able to finish off a project and I also have never then refunded anyone. The most revisions I've ever done is six on a record and then everybody loved it and they, we were there and people, they came back. So I, at this stage, I don't have any problem doing, I mean, I have an unlimited revision policy and that is based around the idea that as long as we are moving forward, because yeah. usually when I send, if we're on like revision three, then I usually put a little disclaimer in the email that says, hey, let me know if we're actually moving forward instead of backwards thus far. Because if we're moving, if we're moving, I wait for them to respond. Usually by three, they're saying we're there. I want to go back to version one, honestly, <laughs> half the time. Um, you know, but if someone was to ever say, hey, we're just moving in the wrong direction, um, then, uh, you know, I'd be, I, I have a policy where I just, I, I would refund the client. If they genuinely don't think I can do it and they won't give me the chance, I've had that happen twice where after like version three, someone didn't give me the chance to keep going and just said, you know what, this missed the mark, which is maybe part of this topic. Um, and they just took it to somebody else. Um, and then I've had one time where someone just ended up wanting to release the hot ref. That's happened like only once. Um, and that was actually last year. Um, and so I refunded that payment because they had already mm-hmm. paid and just said, that's fine. It's not, not a big deal. Um, okay, that's it. Carry on. Um, I generally, I have a unlimited revision policy as well. And when it comes down to like, like, I don't know, like if you're on your third round, which I don't have a ton of revisions, I've actually had a lot recently, but it's just kind of been, I don't know, kind of a weird season, I suppose. Um, holy crap, we have a lot of questions left. We got seven minutes, Sam. We got to do like, we got to boogie through these. Um, by the end, if, if it goes into like round three, I'll generally be like, we need to chat because I don't really think you were happy with what you sent me at this point. Either that I've been messing up so much. Um, okay, Sam, we're doing the lightning round because we got like a lot more. Okay, let's go. 
Um, do you, uh, when building a new computer, do you go for more RAM or CPU or DSP, PCI cards being used? Can you say that one more time? <laughs> when you're building a computer, would you go for more RAM, CPU, or DSP, like PCI cards? The oh, oh my gosh, this is such a good question. And you got one answer. You should go with uh, like your your uh, your CPU, your CPU, like your mm-hmm. uh, your cores. And uh, since we only have a minute, I can't explain it all. But basically, your cores determine way more than RAM does um, for the ability to process audio. And that's all I'm going to say. You do your own deep dive. <clears throat> but that's the actual good answer. Um, <laughs> I agree with Sam and I mean, I just buy a Mac and I just pimp it out So because I want them to last for like 10 years. Um, yeah. Is this the... Okay. Um... Uh, dithering and do you always use it, Samuel? One minute. Dithering, yes, I always use it when I'm changing uh, bit rates. I don't use there it you. if I'm staying in the same. If nothing's changing, I don't dither. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, okay, I am exactly the same. Um, love to hear your guys' opinion on high pass filter and low pass filter. Where in the chain, digital or analog? Uh, I love both of them. I do more, um, well, I don't want to say more or less. I love both of them. I love the massive-passive on the analog side of it. Mm -hmm. In the box, I actually just use Logic Linear EQ. (laughs) Okay. Um, With mine, I either do it on the massive-passive. I used to have a Bax. I don't have a Bax anymore. Um, Take that for what you want. Um, It was nice. but generally, I'll either do it in the massive passive, or I'll do it in the Bax plugin, or on the Q3, which I really like as well. Okay, next question: um, How much clipping is too much clipping? Uh, too much clipping would be if you have missed the mark on what the client wants, in theory. So. Usually, though, I mean, if it's like crunching. If a song is fairly clean and then all of a sudden now it's crunching or the courses start to crunch, then you've probably clipped too much. So back off. I would say, I would say when it becomes like overly audible and it becomes yeah. destructive to the to the to the source. Um, I mean, you'll know. But it's like also if it's like a weird kind of thing and like they're into like a lot of that stuff and they're telling you to like, hey, yeah, kind of do whatever you want, then sure, go for ball to the wall. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> anything's a clipper if you use it wrong enough. Yes. All right, next question. How spicy is too spicy for a mix when y'all get it, when y'all get uh, it in for mastering? And it's like headroom. Headroom? Um. How spicy is too spicy for a mix? There's no level I can't work with at this stage. I've seen it yeah. and heard it all. Now, if I have my preference, I would. My favorite like place to work off of is when mixes are like negative eight dr, negative seven dr, because we'll usually take it to negative five or four at this stage for modern pop. So, if I have three to four dB to play with, I genuinely feel like I can make a song. Sound louder and better than when somebody 
you know, by their choice or not sticks me with a negative five or four to start with. Um, <coughs> so yeah, but at this stage, I get it. I get all levels sent to me all the time. No, no, no uh, lack of headroom is an issue to me. Um, really, the main issue is if it's distorting with the headroom because you can make things really loud and clean or compressed and clean. Mm-hmm. If it's really distorting, then I'll say, hey, do you hear that? And usually they say no. And I say, okay. Then I just master it. <laughs> that's distorted. So, okay, that's it. Um, I don't really have a limit because if I don't like it, I'll just turn it down. Um, if it's like too like harmonically crazy and stuff like that, like zazzy, um, I I normally have to be like, oh, can you help me out here? <laughs> um, bah, 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 bah. real quick, thirty second round because we're getting yeah. into time. Let's go. If and when do you reach for high pass, low pass? Uh, I like to create contrast with it, so that's how I use it. If the top end sounds really too digitally artifacty, I trim it off to bring focus. Same with the bottom. If the bottom's too woofy or eating up too much headroom, I'll trim off the bottom. Done. Generally, I don't reach for high pass. Wait, I always get confused with this. High pass when you're at the high pass, so that's like the low end. No. High yes. pass passes the high. High pass passes the highs. That's the low end. I do that if there's like a lot of rumbling and garbage. Low pass, I never touch it. Um, any tricks to try to undo overcompressed mixes? Expansion, uh, volume automation, knock it down a few dB in your DAW, then work off that. You might have some headroom in there if you're in a in a nice high bit rate that you don't that you don't know that you can work off of. It's not going to make it less compressed, but you might have some extra space in there. Okay, done. Um, I've recently gotten into expansion. My name is Matthew Garber, and I have a problem. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, <laughs> I suffer. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. Go. All right, next question. Last question we have time for. Do you still market proactively reaching out to people? What tools do you use, Sam? Yes, I do. I'm always... Uh, looking up mixers who worked on records I like, I find them on Instagram, I talk to them like a human, and then eventually probably shoot my shot if I feel like it's a good fit and I like them. And I do that every week. <clears throat> um, mine is I'm not doing it as much as I should, um, and I should be doing it more often. Um, so I should be doing it more. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Great. I see people I like, and I'm like, I should reach out to them, and I generally don't reach out to them, but I, I need to reach out to them. I hate working to work. That's the thing. I don't like working to work, um, but we need to. Anyway, we got to wrap up this podcast. We had a few we didn't get to. Thank you so much for everyone who did submit everything. Um, if you like what we heard, or like what we heard, if you like what you heard, leave us a review, a comment, whatever you got, we'll take it. Um, and uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just screenshotting this episode, sharing it on your socials, stuffs, and around to friends and family and be like, hey, these guys talk about a lot of cool stuff and answered my question. You should check them out to hear my question. And they will. Let's see. What else? What else? What else? Thanks, Sam, for the sweet beat that is queuing up in the background. Woo-hoo. And I think if you want a mastering engineer... Oh, excuse me. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. 
and we would both love to finish your records or songs or whatever you got. And I think that's about it. So with all of that, that full time of recording, right about an hour, um, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. We will see you in the next podcast for your regular regular <laughs> scheduled programming. See y'all later. Love you. Bye. <laughs> bye.